looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you back on my way back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. Jesus said, Go and do the same. Uh, last week, Pastor Jim uh, spoke to us on evangelism, and as he, as he shared to us about the, the discipline and the practice in the Christian life and the importance of sharing the gospel, he, he, reminded, he reminded us and told us that he wasn't so much going to be giving us techniques. There are a lot of good techniques on how to share your faith, but uh, his, his goal last week was to give us the why for evangelism. What is the heart of God? Why, why does God send us to share the gospel with those around us? And he shared that with us. And, and this week, uh, our, our topic and our spiritual practice is serving our community and service to our neighbors. And I, uh, in, in line with what Jim did last week, I want to not give us so much specifics of how to serve our neighbors as much as why the scripture sends us to serve our neighbors and why this is so important for the Christian faith that we be about serving our community and serving our neighbors. Uh, Jesus tells this parable that uh, is probably familiar to all of you, if not, uh, or most of you, if not all of you. Um, and Jesus tells this parable in response to a question. The man comes to Jesus and he's asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the man responds, uh, or Jesus responds, well, what's written in the law? How do, you, how do you understand it? And he says, well, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, yes, do that, and you will live. And then we picked up the man who wants to justify and says, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, now, Jesus, uh, when, when they have this conversation about what must I do to inherit, li- to inherit eternal life, and specifically when uh, our, our religious scholar uh, gives this response, he gives two responses. First, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. This, this is, uh, there's a context here. There's a larger conversation that is going on in, in this context when this man gives this specific response. And we see this elsewhere too. If you, if you want to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, Jesus has asked this same question and he, and he gives this same response uh, several times in, in several different places in the Gospels. And it's important for us to, to, to get the context here and, and pay attention to what, what is going on in this, in this story and what is going on in this statement. 
So in Mark chapter 12, we spent quite a bit of time in Mark this past spring and winter and spring, and, and we'll be back in here a couple of places again. So um, hopefully it's somewhat familiar to those of you who are here at that time. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Jesus is in the midst, he's standing in the temple, and he's been debating with different Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders. Uh, one of the teachers of the law comes and he, and he notices that Jesus has given a good answer to several of these questions that he's been asked. And so he asked the question, Jesus had given them a good answer. You asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the same thing that our, our uh, character has told us back in Luke chapter 10. Uh, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So Jesus is having this conversation and he's had other conversations in the midst of his ministry. What are the greatest commandments? What are the, what are the things that are most important for inheriting eternal life? What are the things that matter the most? And Jesus has this conversation and, and this is not a question that is unique to Jesus. Uh, this was a, an ongoing conversation among the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day. What are the greatest commandments? And there was really no disagreement on, on the first greatest commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Uh, everybody, everybody pretty much agreed that this was, this was the most important. But there was some disagreement, and this is what Jesus is being asked and what's going on in the conversation with the good, in the story of the Good Samaritan. There was some, good, some disagreement about what is the second greatest commandment. And so when Jesus is asked what's the greatest commandment, really what the, the man is asking is, is what, what is the second greatest commandment? We know that you, where you stand on the first, most likely, but what about the second? And Jesus' response is, love your neighbor as yourself. Come on in, Grace. Uh, uh, love, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the other side of things, the, the other response, or the most popular response, that would have been the second greatest commandment would have been... Uh, Obey the Sabbath. To keep the Sabbath is the most important, or the second most important commandment. So you have on one hand, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. On the other hand, the second greatest commandment is obey the Sabbath. And you might ask, well, what's the big deal? Why, like, so what? They're all commandments, right? Uh, but, the, but the question is, and the reason that there needs to be a distinction is, what happens when you're in a situation where you have the choice do I honor the Sabbath? Do I keep the Sabbath? Do I obey it? Or do I love my neighbor? When I see a neighbor who is in need and I can help them, but helping them would mean that I would have to break the Sabbath, which is more important? Do I love my neighbor? And this is what God is asking for me. Or do I obey the Sabbath? And so here's the, this is the question. And, and we see that Jesus actually uh, is, is not so much directly asked this same question at other places, but we see that he, he enacts some miracles 
that, that have to do with this same question. Flip back if you're still in Mark, to Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is teaching in a synagogue. Verse 1, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So here's, this is really our same question here posed in, the, in this story in Mark chapter 3. Which is the second greatest commandment? Which is lawful to do? To do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? What, what should we do? Here's this man who's clearly in need. He has a shriveled hand. And he comes to Jesus, or he, actually the text doesn't even tell us that he comes to Jesus, that he just was there in the synagogue, and Jesus sees him, but it's the Sabbath. And so what do you do? Which is the second greatest commandment? Do you love your neighbor and help when you can help? Or do you obey the Sabbath and say, come back tomorrow, and I'll heal you then? Jesus clearly loves his neighbor and, and brings healing for the Sabbath. And there's a problem here for these Pharisees. Uh, and so you, you have this, this conversation that Jesus is a part of, of, that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor, not to honor the Sabbath. And this is important for us to, to recognize that, that when there is tension, and we think about this not just necessarily in honoring the Sabbath, but, but there's a, a larger conversation. Back in Mark chapter 12, when, when our man, this conversation that Jesus is having with this man, uh, his response to Jesus after Jesus has said this is to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. That loving your neighbor supersedes any other obedience to the law of God. That, that when the question is do we, do we obey what God has called us to do or we have the choice of somehow disobeying, breaking the law in the Old Testament at least, and we have to break the law, which do we choose? We, we break the law in order to love our neighbor, is what this man is saying. And Jesus affirms that when the choice is between, between the holiness and the righteousness and the purity and the sacrifices, or the choice is between the love of neighbor, for Jesus, the choice is always love your neighbor. Love your neighbor supersedes all other commands that we are given. Uh, Paul says this exact same thing. If you turn to Romans chapter 13, he says this in a couple of places actually. We'll just look at this one. Uh, another one will be Galatians chapter 5 and 6. Um, but we're just going to look at Romans 13 today. He says, uh, Romans 13, verses 8 through 10, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. 
Jesus is saying, Paul is saying, that the most important thing after love of God is our love for our neighbor. That this should take precedence over all else. And let's talk about this love for a second that we're talking about. As we're thinking about outreach to our community, as we think about this question that this man asks, who is my neighbor? Uh, Jesus tells us this parable where the Samaritan is a neighbor to this man who is in need. And, and the implication and, and the, the reality is that, that our neighbor is, is anybody who is, who is in need. Um, I live in the middle of a parking lot. Um, and so I don't necessarily have uh, direct neighbors, but I have neighbors. I live in this neighborhood. And the people that I, that I meet as I, as I go to the park with my family, as I go to the store, these are my neighbors. These are the people who live with me and who I meet and these are my neighbors. And you have neighbors. Wherever you live, you have neighbors. We as a church have neighbors in this community. And as we talk about loving our neighbor, it should be the people that you meet today and tomorrow. It's the people who live around you. It's the people who you drive past on the road. There, the, the implication in Jesus' parable is that there is no one who is not your neighbor for the, for the Jewish people, the, the, the neighbor could have been a fellow Israelite, but it definitely wouldn't have been a Samaritan. Well, Jesus breaks down that wall and says, even the Samaritan is your neighbor. Anyone that you meet is your neighbor and is worthy of love. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's talk about the kind of love that we're talking about here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a passage that uh, if you've been to a wedding recently, you're probably familiar with. Uh, this is, this is a, probably one of the most popular passages to be read at a wedding, 1 Corinthians 13. And it's talking about love. Um, but, but it's important for us to recognize as, as we read this passage, and I, and I want you to have this in mind as, as we do so. When Paul here is talking about love, He's not talking about love for uh, our spouse. And he's not talking about love for our family members. And he's not talking about love for our, our closest friends. He's not talking about love for our church community. He's talking, I mean, he's talking about those things as well. But this, is, this love that he's talking about is, is meant to be displayed by Christians for all people. This love is for our neighbor, for the ones who we meet, whoever they may be this week. This is the kind of love that we are meant to have. So let's read this. And, and as, you, as we read this, have in mind uh, those people that you possibly will interact with this week or maybe people who you've interacted with this past week. And maybe it's people who that interaction wasn't necessarily a positive interaction. I want you to have these people in mind as we read about the kind of love that we as Christians are meant to have. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, 
but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the kind of love that we are meant to put on display as Christians for all people. This isn't a love just for those most dear to us, but it's for all people. Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 5. You don't have to turn there. But he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The love that that Christ sends us to, the love that Paul reminds us to have, is a love even for our enemies. He says, you've heard that it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies with patience and kindness, without envy, without boasting, always trusting, always hoping, always protecting. This is the love that we have even for our enemies. He says, look, anybody can love the people who love them back. Like, there's nothing special about that. If we call ourselves followers of Christ and we call ourselves Christians and we're good at loving the people closest to us, the people who love us back, that's great. Anybody does that. Pagans do that. Tax collectors do that. Anybody's going to love the people who have something to offer them in return, right? That's not special. If we're to be people of love, we're not special when we love the people most dear to us. But the people of Christ, the people, the Christian church, the people who have been saved by the resurrected Jesus Christ, these are people who have experienced a love from a God who loved us while we were his enemies. And we have been given a challenge and a mandate to love our enemies as well. And that in loving our enemies, we proclaim the love of a God who loves them while they are still at enmity with God. And we are sent into a world uh, to love even our enemies with patience, kindness, not envying, not boasting, not proud, 
not dishonoring others, not self-seeking, not easily angered, not keeping record of wrongs, not delighting in evil, but rejoicing with the truth, always protecting, always trusting, always hoping, always persevering, never failing. This is the love that God has called us to because this is the kind of love that God has given us. Which brings us back to the Good Samaritan. Uh, The way that the Samaritan loved the injured man, uh, by all accounts his enemy, was not that as he walked by this injured man, he said, God bless you, and continued on his way. Not that as he walked by and he saw this man bleeding and dying, he said, I will pray for you, and continued on his way. He didn't preach him a sermon. He didn't give him a lecture on, hey, you really shouldn't have been traveling this road from Jerusalem to Jericho by yourself. Like, what were you thinking? Like, if you, if you just get your act together and hadn't been doing this, maybe you brought some friends along, you wouldn't have fallen into this. None of that, right? He picks him up. He cleans his wounds. He puts him on his horse or his donkey. And he brings him in to town. And he cares for him. He provides for him. He helps him. He gives him what he needs. And he goes above and beyond. He doesn't say, okay, well, I've done my duty. I've dropped you off here. Good luck. God bless. But then he provides for him for the future as well. And he cares. And he says, if this man needs anything else, like I have to keep going but I'm coming back and if this man needs anything else, put it on my bill, I'll take care of it. This is the way that this man loved his neighbor. By caring, by meeting him, seeing his needs, showing up, stopping, caring, and serving. And as we think about as a church, as Berean Bible Church, here at 2345 North 185th Street, Shoreline, Washington, 98133. The people who gather in this place week to week to worship the resurrected Jesus Christ, to worship the God who loved his enemies so much that we have a reason to be here. We think about then what does it mean for us to be sent from this corner week after week to love our neighborhood, to love the people that we will meet, whether it's in our workplace, whether it's near our homes. We don't all live in Shoreline, but we have neighbors. We have people around us. And we are being sent, we gather each week in this place to be sent from this place to love the world in Jesus' name. To serve them. To care for them. To pay attention to their needs. And to offer them hope and healing. To never fail them with the love of God. And I just imagine, and I want you to imagine, what it would be like if in this neighborhood, 
someone who may never walk in the doors of our church, if we as Bereans became known as a people who leave this corner every week with a mission to first and foremost, above all else, demonstrate patience and kindness. That we're not in the world with envy or boasting or pride. That we don't shame and dishonor others. They're not seeking our own gain. We're not just trying to get people to show up to our church. We're not full of anger. We don't keep record of wrongs. But we are a people who are always protecting those around us. Always trusting. Always offering hope and hoping for the best in others. Always persevering for them. Never failing our neighbors. Never failing our enemies. That we are a people who hold forth the love of God even when that love is is thrown back in our face. When we saw a witness of this, right, in the past week, when the families of the victims of the shooting in South Carolina stood up and said, I forgive you, I mean, what else but the love of God could do that? And our world took notice of that. I mean, I I heard uh, secular commentators on the radio saying, like, how is this possible? It was because of the love of God. And if we can be a people, if we are known in our community and in our neighborhoods, wherever you live as a people, that, that house, I don't really know them very well, but when I see them, when I talk to them, I feel loved by them. I don't necessarily agree with their, with their stance on certain issues. I don't necessarily believe in Christianity. I don't even believe in God, but, but man, those people love me well. This is what we are sent to. This is why we gather. This is why God still has us here on this earth, is to to share the gospel of the love of God. And we proclaim it with our lives through serving one another. So we've talked about this, and I said that I was going to give you a why, but I also want to give you something very practical to do. You may have noticed me struggling with a couple easels in the hallway before we started. Um... There are two maps out in the narthex. And as we go from here, I encourage you, these two maps are, from, are, are pictures of two neighborhoods, uh, Meridian Park neighborhood and the Echo Lake neighborhood. Uh, Berean Bible Church right here on 185th Street, if you cross the street, you're in Echo Lake. If you're on this side of the street, you're in Meridian Park. So these are the na- these, when we talk about loving our neighbors, and we think about as a church who are our neighbors, uh, it's these people people that live in in these neighborhoods are our closest neighbors. And you'll see those maps, and on those maps there's some some blue tape marking out different sections and different blocks. And what I want to encourage you to do is if you are able to to grab, there's a a little little arrow-type sticky tag thing out there in the back. You'll see what I mean when you get there. Um, And there's some Sharpies. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is if you are able to take one of those tags and take a Sharpie and put your name down or put your family's name down. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is to stick it in one of those sections. And in the next 
two weeks. And maybe you're going on vacation. If you're going on vacation, make it three weeks. But in the next two to three weeks, to commit to walking that neighborhood. The Samaritan man was able to to care for the man that he met because he was walking by him. So walk the neighborhood. Walk that section, those few blocks. It should, most of them should only take you about a half hour to an hour, depending on how quickly you walk. And to walk those neighborhood, and to begin, Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray. And just begin by praying for each house that you walk past, each home, each family that lives in that home. And simply pray. You can pray all sorts of things that the Lord might lead you to pray, but, but if you need ideas, just pray that they may know the love of God in that home. Maybe pray the fruit of the Spirit for each home or for, for consecutive to mix it up. Pray for love. Pray for peace in the next home. But to pray for this house as you walk by. And if you're crossing a street or if you're in a large area where there are no homes for you to pray for at the time, pray for yourself. Pray that you may be a witness to the love of God for these people. That we as a church may be witnesses to the love of God as we serve. That, that God may guide us and lead us to, to know what is it that those people need from the Christian community here on this corner. Pray that God will guide us to know how we can love them well. And I encourage you to do this. And if, if you're not able to do that, if for some reason you're, you, if they all get taken up, which is my hope, um, you, can, you, can sign, you can double up. That's not a problem. Uh, but I also encourage you, many of you don't live directly here in Shoreline, and I'd also encourage you uh, to do this in your own neighborhood. To do it, even if it's just on the block that you live on, to walk around that block, to look at the homes of your neighbors, and to pray for them to ask how you might love them and ask that the Lord's love might be known in their lives. We are sent by a God who loves us to proclaim a God who loves them. And may we go out proclaiming that love this week. Let's pray. God, may... We have eyes that see your heart for this world. Will you soften us in the places where we are easily angered? Where we want to keep records of the wrongs? God, give us patience. Give us wisdom to know how to be kind. Give us the strength to never fail in our proclamation of the love of God to those around us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, don't forget to, to put your name on, a, on an area. Um, commit to praying for those those homes, those families this week and the next couple weeks. Uh, And then as you do that, I would love to hear uh, what is it that the Lord has been showing you as you've been praying for these homes? What is it that that God has been guiding you towards? How can we 
as a church love our community, love our neighbors better. Uh, This is what God is calling us to. So may you, my brothers and sisters, uh, this week and in the coming weeks, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And may you love your neighbors as yourself. Go in peace.